Welcome to Covenant Life Church, a ministry that is committed to helping you discover Christ's purpose for your life and leading you towards your best existence by providing you with meaningful ways to affect positive change in your world. Join Pastor Shane as he delivers a powerful and inspirational message for your life today. A catalyst type of church, but he's also calling each and every one of you to be catalyst. What is a catalyst? It is a person or thing that brings about significant change. God is calling you to be a change agent in your world. And I believe that this church is going to take huge steps in this coming year, and you are a part of something amazing that God is going to do. I also want to talk to you about catalyst fails because all of us have tried to do stuff sometimes that uh, we meant for it to be really, really wonderful and it turned out to be terrible. It turned out to be something far different than your expectations. I'm not very handy, so when I go to try to build stuff, it is always usually a, a catalyst fail. I have these grand ideas in my head, but what I have in my head, I sometimes cannot produce out in real life. And so that's why I preach instead. So I try to build people instead of things. I think I'm better at that. Maybe you don't think I'm very good at that, but I, I hope that I'm, I have some sort of skill in that area. And so anyway, some years ago, there was a, a buddy of mine, and they were um, telling me, so, you know, Pastor Shane, I, I, I can't get my car started. Would you please come and jump, start my car? Can you help me out? And so I went over there to help because I didn't want it to be rumored around that I don't help people at our church. And so I definitely like loaded the, the jumper cables up because they didn't have any. And they said, you know, thanks for coming. You know, can you give me a jump? And so I pull up my car and I put it next to theirs and I put the jumper cables where they go. Black on black, red on red. If you don't know, that's what's supposed to happen. So I got the black on black, red on red and I put it on their car. Black on black, red on red. And I said, all right, turn it over. And it's just spinning. I was like, oh, man, that's, that's not normal. So I start revving my engine, 3,500 RPM. So I'm like revving this thing and trying to give it some juice. I wait a few more minutes. I said, all right, try it now. It's going nowhere. And I'm like, what in the world? So I'm like revving it some more now, 3,500, 4,000 RPMs, trying to give this thing some juice. And it's not working. I get out. I check my connections. Everything's good. Everything's where it's supposed to be. So I go back in my car. I try to rev her up again. Nothing. It's like 20 minutes of this. And I said, you know what? We need to switch this up. How about you come see here, hold this at about 3,500 RPMs, and I'm going to try and start the car. Like I have the magic touch or something. I don't know what I was thinking. So I go, and I start to try to turn the ignition, and it's doing the very same thing. And then I look down at the instrument panel. The gas gauge is on E. Have you ever tried to jump someone's car that's on E, revving your engine, wasting your gas, trying to help this car get going, but it will not go without gas. So I go over to the person. I said, hey, get out of your car. Can you come over here for a second? I love you. You know that. Yeah. I said, but you're clueless. You got a spirit of clueless all over your life. And you know what? You see this gauge? I could jumpstart your car for hours. And it's never going to go anywhere. Why? Because you know how many gas. Gas is the catalyst for this engine to start. And these are droplets. They fall down in the pistons. That bring the pistons to bring the, 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 the uh, ignition strike that then turns the flywheel that gives you forward propulsion. You've got none of it. Why? Because you've got no gas. And then I have to go get them gas, pay them money to put gas in their car and bring them back the gas. They still need to pay me back. God bless them. <laughs> just kidding. I don't care about the money. I was just glad to get them on the go. But, you know, we know that sort of instinctively, don't we, that, that cars don't run without gas. But somehow we don't really intuit that to our lives. We think that we can live our lives perpetually on E. For most of us, we live with the fuel light on. And I'm not talking about in our cars. I'm talking about in our life. This, the fuel of our life is completely worn out, but yet we still try to make it. We try to make it through each day, trying to live our lives perpetually on empty and wonder why it is we can't produce the results that we need. The catalyst for a life is not filled with dryness or living constantly on empty. And yet the, the thing I hear most from people in church, and I've heard it for years, even before I pastored here, is, Pastor, I'm tired. Pastor, the second would be, Pastor, I'm busy. 
So busy produces tired, tired produces busy, busy produces tired, endless cycle of producing very little because the life is always being run on E. Our scripture this morning intersects with that idea. The people of God had misprioritized their relationship with God and so their life became more and more strained, their energy to affect change more and more broken to the degree that now a surrounding, a nation is now surrounding their cities and their warriors are surrounding their, their vulnerable places and they've got nothing to meet the challenge. Have you ever been in a place in life where you do not have the strength to meet the challenge that you are being faced with? Maybe if you had the strength, maybe if you had the money, maybe if you had the energy, you could confront this. But when you're on E, when your life is not producing what you want, it's very hard to meet the challenges that we're facing. This was Israel. And now, because they have no ability to meet the challenge, because God was not a first priority in some cases, not even a second or third, but it become last. Their source of energy flow into their life completely sapped. They have no answers for the challenge. So they're carried off into exile. And for years, they're living displaced. And grandmothers are having to tell grandchildren about the way it used to be. There was a time when they didn't used to speak to your daddy that way where he could hold his head high and have dignity, work the ground, and the ground could produce for him. He owned his own home, and now he's working in somebody else's home. He's a slave. It's hard to explain about the way it used to be to people that have never seen it before. Freedom to people that have never been free. And that's really the situation that's going on in Israel. It's been broken and grandmother then says you know it was a time when they didn't talk to your mama that way when they didn't disrespect her when they didn't use her the way that they use her and abuse her the way that they're abusing her there was a time where there wasn't so much division and brokenness and in our nation there was a time where the very union was not threatened by polarizing opinions about the way in which it should run where we had neighbors that if you needed a couple of eggs to bake the cake, you could go knock on the door. But now, more and more strained, we are more distant from the blessing, constantly living on E. And our world is painfully close to what the world was for Israel during this season. And then the word gives, the word of the Lord comes to a prophet, a prophet named Ezekiel. The same prophet that was a watchman. What a watchman would do is they would sit on the wall and they would talk and, and give warning to where the attacks were coming. If there was an invading force that was coming, the watchman would give notice to the people so that they could gird up and be ready to meet the challenge that they were being faced with. And so that's his call, except he's not a watchman in the natural, he's a watchman in the spiritual. And he says, because we've misprioritized where God is in our life and God isn't first, things are going to get really bad. And people said, he's lying, things aren't going to be bad, the world is going to continue to go on. But then it happens, it's true, the prophet's words come to pass and the people are carried off into exile, having to leave their households, losing everything in the process and being taken away. But now Ezekiel is given another word and he's not writing a book. Like when you read the book of Ezekiel, it's not like God gives him everything. He's giving him a, it, the book in parts, like oracles that he would deliver to the people at the specific time that God was giving the word. And so what he would do is he would hear from God and then he would write that word down and he would give it to a runner and then the runner would bring it into the city square and read the oracle from the prophet. This is what God's word is for us. So on a vision, God begins to speak to Ezekiel about a time that was coming where the dryness would end and new life would come. And the Lord gives him this vision that would be written down in a scroll that would be taken into a very public place and proclaimed. And here's those words that he spoke to them and his word that I believe is being proclaimed to us. I'm the runner that is bringing God's word through Ezekiel to you. And the hand of the Lord was upon me. 
And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord, verse 1 says of 37, and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied. As he commanded me and breath entered them, they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. These bones are the people of Covenant Life Church. These are the bones of the people in the triangle. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off, therefore Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I'll put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. This word comes to a people that are completely out of gas. Like us, they are in the spin cycle of busy that produces tired and tired that produces busy and that life has led them now to a place of exile and maybe this morning you find yourself some distance from the promise or the hope that you had hoped would come from your life or the experiences to your life at this point. And what that can do is it breeds discouragement and, and, and really fear that this is going to be the way that it is for the rest of our life. This is the what I'm going to have to deal with from here on out. This is really what my future is. Going to work, putting in my time, coming home, going to bed, and doing it again. Same tired job, same dead-end feeling, same brokenness and despair. This kind of feeling... This is what the prophet is speaking to. And he's sending a word in the oracle. And maybe it was so good, instead of sending a runner, he's running himself. And he's going right in the center of the city in Babylon. And he's reading the word of the Lord to people. Now, this is an audacious move. I want you to know how radical this is for the prophet to do this. He's risking his life because he's saying... That this nation that had been overrun is going to come back to life. And God's going to breathe in them and a mighty army is going to emerge. And he's reading this word in public so that everyone can hear it. And so that everyone will know what God is saying about this season of dryness. It is a radical statement. And now you know why they wanted to kill the prophets many times. Because they were always disrupting the world as it was, and calling it to be the world that it could become. And this word from the prophet is really a catalytic moment, a moment of catalytic change, a moment of where a person or event quickly causes everything to be different from here forward. And this is what he is doing. He is 
instigating a movement among people that from all intents and purposes would have felt that what he was saying was impossible. Dry bones don't come back to life. Abused people don't ever emerge into healing. Broken families never come back together. And the word of the Lord comes to him to bring this into the fore. And, and the very first thing that happens, and if we want to see this kind of change in our life, it's, it's really important that we check our vision. And this is really the thrust of the question that the Lord is asking Ezekiel. Son of man, can these bones live? Can the world as it is become a whole different world? Can the despair turn to joy? Can the conflict become peace? Can the division become unity? Can these bones live? And we don't blame Ezekiel when he said, heck if I know. Only you know, sovereign Lord, because this seems pretty much like a train wreck. This seems pretty much like an utter failure. And God is calling him to check his vision and saying, what is it that you see? Well, I see a bunch of dry bones. I see a bunch of lifeless people that have been thrown around and their bones are all scattered and they're all in different places. There isn't hope in this kind of situation. And so we don't blame the prophet for not being able to see it. But I think sometimes his ailment is ours too. Because God asks us if we can imagine a different world than the one in which we now live. And we get so caught up in our dryness that it's hard to imagine a different future, a different outcome. When the fights that we fight, the same ones keep recurring over and over again. But the Lord brings them there in that valley to tell them, you need to check your vision. We learned that we needed to check our daughter's vision recently. We were driving over Jordan Lake, heading home after church one day. And she says, Dad, look at that tower that's in the middle of the water. And I said, tower? What tower? What are you looking at? And so I'm like trying to figure out what it is she's talking about. I see boats over here or whatever. That tower over there, see that white tower? It's a flock of birds. It's not a tower. We need to get our vision checked. But sometimes we need to get our spiritual vision checked. Because we have this really good tendency to see the world the way that it is and not for the world, the world in the way it can be. We can't see it God's way and this is really the prophet's problem. He can't see how beauty can come from these ashes. That from the despair and brokenness where dry bones are now filling a valley that something good can come out of this disaster. And the Lord is telling Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? You need to check your vision. Because I can call forth life from even the most despairing places. And I can fuel lives that feel perpetually dry. And I can give them a whole new world. But if they don't see it, they can't receive it. It starts with vision. So she says it like this, that the people perish for lack of vision. Or where there is no vision, the people throw off restraints. In the place where we can't see a different world, we constantly are stuck. And this is where the devil does his greatest work in our lives. And where he often most tells the truth. He tells us about the facts of our current situation. You're broke and you can't pay your electric bill. Your marriage is in shambles because you have no time to feed it. And it's not as if he's lying. That's where he does his best work is telling the truth from a particular perspective. Reminding us of the world that is. This valley is full of dry bones. That business idea that you have is never going to get off the ground. Your ideas, your innovative desires, it's never going to work out. Because if it would have, it w if it could have, it would have already. And so he tells us about the world that is. And the problem is, is that we can get so caught in that world that we can't see the world that God is trying to show us. A world where dry bones are coming to life. Where the power of God is meeting the people 
of God that have been so desperately dry that they don't even know what it's like to have fuel. And that's where I see us so often as a community. We get caught in the world that is and can't imagine what the world that God is trying to build through us is supposed to look. And we get really frustrated that things aren't really working out the way that we want them to. And we complain. We complain that the church isn't meeting my needs or we become very negative about the world that is. I saw this, it's pretty sad. Some years ago, there was a, a woman that used to come and attend here and we were having one of our big celebrations like we often do. We had a big old buffet table and people are here and the room was packed. It was back when we were in one service. So, so we would just barely fit everybody in one service back then. And so we, we were doing that and she gets really upset with me. And she says, Pastor, this buffet table is wrong. I'm like, okay. I just think it's food on the table. She says, no, you've got everything out of order. You got the salads over there by the meats and they're supposed to be over here and you got the meats over here and the desserts are supposed to be down there and make sure that the drinks go in this end. And where's the labels? We don't know what all of these items are and it'd be good to have labels. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? That sounds right. And it sounds like God is trying to give you a ministry to heal our broke down buffet table. Why don't you come and help us? The Lord is speaking to you. She says, oh no, not me, somebody else. I said, I didn't even see that I was a problem. You're the one who pointed it out that's a problem. It must mean that God's put it on your heart to address the problem instead of it looking funky and junky like it does. I do believe the Lord's calling you. She said, Pastor, I'm not coming back. And she never did. <laughs> we laugh, but that's how we do all the time because when something is out of order and God shows us that something is out of order, we expect people to fix something that God has shown us. And we expect the church to become something that we aren't willing to help it become. And that is a problem. I had a similar conversation around the same time with somebody else. And they said to me, Pastor, you know, I'm just really having a hard time making connections. I'm really having a hard time making friendships within the church. And so I just said to him, I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, it sounds like it's a real problem. And connection can be a problem anywhere because not feeling like you belong. But I would just ask you, have you been friendly to someone? Have you been offering love to others? And they said, no, I've been waiting for people to love me. You know, I, I want them to reach out to me and then I'll reach out back. I said, oh, okay. I said, how about we reverse that and you start becoming the friendly person that you want somebody else to be and I believe that God is gonna do something through it. And she says, you know what, pastor, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna put that into practice. And she started putting that into practice. She's come back several times since then and said, that was the very best advice that anybody has ever given me. This is the greatest church. I have more friends and more family in this church than I've ever had. I've got family all over the place. But when I'm at church, I feel like family. And everybody feels like grandmothers and brothers and sisters and daughters and sons. Everyone feels like they're a part of my family. Because she applied it different. She could imagine a world that looked different than the one that she was in. And she was willing to lean into it. When I see this church, I don't see it bound to the space that we're in right now with just two services. I see a time where two won't be enough. I see that this building won't be enough and that God will send us on beyond this place. I see that all of the ministries that are bounding forth will not be able to be contained and so we'll need to move to the next building and soon that one won't be enough and then the next. Why? Because it's a vision to see what could be. And when I see all of you, I see you the same way. I don't see you in broken down lives, in dead end careers. I see your giftedness and I know that if you could lean into your life with what God has put inside of you to do, that you will accomplish more through your life than you ever dreamed possible. And so when I look at you, I see potential. When I look at you, I see giftedness. When I look at you, I see so much and I'm calling you to it today because some of you have been sitting so dry that you don't even realize why you are. And when I call you to it and I say, you know what? You are more than what you think and you have more potential than what you'll know. And God's calling you to invest your part into this community to help it become what he's calling it to be. You see it in a way I never could. And I see it in a way that you never could. But when I see this church, I see everyone actively involved in something, helping to create something that culture has to stop and go, 
Man, they got it right over there. You know what they love? And we got people from all kinds of generations, from all kinds of cultural backgrounds, all in worship together, loving one another. That looks like heaven in that place. I want to be a part of that. See, we all want the church, but God's calling us to be the chains, to build it, and to be a part of his process, where it can become what he's called it to be. Matthew 6, 33 says it like this, that if we seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, that he'll add everything else in our lives. But what we want to do is we want to put it in reverse, get everything straight in my life, and then the kingdom of God that's out of order. And you will never, ever, ever have the full life that God intends for you trying to live with that kind of order. It is seeking first the kingdom that puts everything else in order, not putting the kingdom of God last. And it's having the vision to see it. To imagine what God is trying to say that this community can be and understand that we've got a part in it becoming that. Where there is difficulty for people to go to hell all across this city because the light that is coming forth from this place. That's the kind of community that God wants us to build, but we've got to have the vision to see it. A conversation with a guy named Josh some years ago at a church in my former ministry. I remember I was there, and I was ambitious. I was young, one of the teaching pastors at the church, and I told the guy, I was like, you know, man, you know, when I see this place, I see it alive. Man, I see people with parking attendants and coming out and helping people get to cars. I see golf carts driving people from the different places. I see this place full. I see all of these buildings. This is the way I see these buildings. I started describing the way that the buildings were looking and the kind of technology that would be in place and the, and the beauty of what it was going to become. And he's going, man, I've been here my whole life which wasn't long. He's probably like 24. He goes, it'll never happen. Change will never come. I said, okay, I hear you. But it's coming. Wait till you see what God does. He came and attended sporadically and sort of disappeared off the map for a while. And then after a couple of years, he showed up back and came into service that particular day. And he saw and he's just flabbergasted. And he said, everything that you said that this was going to become is now here. And he was cut to the heart and said, I was supposed to be a part of it, but because I couldn't see it, I missed it. And that's very important to think about on an individual level as well as a corporate level. This church service today is about your part in this community, but it's also about your own part in your own life. So there's two ways that I'm trying to communicate this message to you. First, on a very personal level, because some of you are out of gas and need the spirit to move in your life and for you to be able to come alive again in the power of God. And then the second layer of this message is that you find your place through and in what God is trying to do through this community and stop making excuses about why you can't. The time for change is now. The Lord asked Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? The Lord is asking us, can every empty space within this church be filled? Can every spot back in our nursery and kids space be overflowing? Can there be so much ministry and the power of God moving so strong that addicts are surrendering their drugs on our altar, that prostitutes are coming in to get right, that the power of God is moving so strong and so wonderfully in this place that people are in lines waiting to come in just to see what God does next? Can you see that? Because that's what God is trying to build through this community, a place without judgment, but hope and power and salvation. This is what the Lord is speaking to us and he wants us to embrace his move. Which brings us to the next thing that the Lord tells Ezekiel to do. He says, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to the dryness and tell it to become what it's called to be. So first he starts the question, can these bones live? Now he's telling them what to do. I want you to speak my word over the dryness that's filled in this valley, this dry bones, and begin to call it back to itself. 
Some of you have lost who you are because you're so trapped in the mundane world in which you live that you can't imagine that things could ever get better or on track or those dreams that used to sit dormant and alive in your heart are now dormant and gone and you're wondering, can these bones live? I'm here to tell you it's time to prophesy to those dead dreams. It's time to prophesy to those dead ministries. It's time to prophesy to that dead marriage, that dead end job, that dead end uh, future that you feel like you have and announce God's word concerning it. This is what the prophet is doing. He's just speaking his words. In fact, we don't really have a whole lot of what he's saying. Come back, sinners, come back. You get some of this bit, but you don't really hear what he's saying. We just see the fact of the word of God. When we ever see our life misaligned with what God's word says our life should look like, it is always time to speak prophetically over our life through what the word of God says. We say, well, I'm not a prophet. You don't have to be a prophet to speak prophetically over your situation. All you need is the word. This is all you need. And what does God say? When I don't have joy in my heart or strength to move on, the Lord says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When I feel like I'm not enough to confront the situation, the Lord reminds me that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. When I feel like I'm defeated and I don't have the power, God's word says that I'm more than a conqueror. When I'm sick in my body, the Lord says, come forward, call upon the elders of the church and they will anoint you with oil and the prayer of faith will make the sick well. This is what the word of the Lord says. And when our life is not in agreement with the word, it's our job, our privilege to call it back to itself. And I'm here to call you back to those dreams that you've let die. I'm here to call you back to that healthy marriage that everyone looks at and longs for. I'm here to call you back to the kind of neighborly living that when people see you, they can see Jesus and can't help but give God praise because of how good you're living. That kind of life. This is what the prophet's doing. Prophesy, son of man. Prophesy to these bones. Come back together. Bone on bone, sinew on sinew, and upon the sinew put flesh. And so it all comes back together. And this valley that had been dis with displaced bones everywhere are now people with recognizable features on their face where everything is back in place. But here's what I've noticed is that just because someone's life looks like it's got everything in order, you walk into their home and everything's in its place, doesn't mean that there's any spirit or breath in that home. You can have everything in order and we can have everything in order that when people come into the church, when they walk through the doors that they feel that or they see the ushers where they need to be and the greeters where they need to be and the kids workers back there and the sermons happening and the chairs in the right row. But if it doesn't have the spirit, it is still dead. And I've been to some of those churches that from a presentation standpoint, they've got it all right. But if I've got to make a choice between the spirits and everything in place, I'm always going to go with the spirit. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And if the chair's a little out of order, that's okay. As long as the altars are filled with people that are hungry for the Lord. Church, I think you can have both. I think you can. But if I've got to have one, give me the spirit. Because where the spirit comes and moves, everything changes. And this is what Ezekiel's learning. He looks at this valley and it's just dry. And the bones come together and it looks right. But they're still dead. They look alive. But there's no breath. And so he's called them back to themselves. But it isn't enough. Today as I'm asking you to consider what God has for your life, it's not enough for you just to stand into a spot or to serve a function in the body of Christ or to go back home and to try to order your life. You've got to have the breath. The breath is what makes us come alive. The breath is what breaks the pattern of the mundane. I was talking to a brother some about a year and a half ago and he was telling me about his life. He says, man, my life Stinks. He used a stronger word, but I can't say it at church. He said, my life stinks. And I said, man, you got what you need, man. You, you, you earn good money. You own your own home. He goes, yeah, man, but 
the purpose for which I was created feels like it's just being missed right now in my life and I'm not accomplishing what I ever dreamed I thought I would. I go to work, I come home, I eat dinner, I go to sleep, repeat. I go to work, I come home, I eat dinner, I go to sleep. I go to work, I come home, I eat dinner, and I sleep. I couldn't feel more dead inside than what I do right now. I couldn't feel more broken than I do right now. And all of these dreams and ambitions, I thought by the time, he's only like 34 at the time, he's like, man, I thought I'd be way further along than I am now. And I'm like, get ready, because it's still going to get harder unless you learn to lean into your purpose. And I asked him, I said, what is it that excites you? He goes, man, if I could do it my way, I wouldn't work at this job. I said, then why are you working at this job? It's always an opportunity to start over and live into your purpose. How about a new career? You're still young enough. Just because somebody else has told you you can't, why does it have to be true for you? Just because someone else can't do it, that ain't you. You have never been here before. You can overcome. You can be the first to go to college. You can be the first one to set your life on a totally different course. Do you believe it? I began to call forth this ministry. I said, I'm going to pray for you. But I'm just going to pray a really simple prayer. And that is that the Spirit of God come and fill your dry bones right here, right now. That's what I'm going to pray for. So I laid my hands on this brother. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I call forth your potential for the kingdom of God. And that every purpose that God has declared for your life to be established through you. Now, Holy Spirit, come and fill my brother here now. And God wrecked him. Tears start flowing down from his face, and he just begins to cry. And I said, I look, I know you don't want to cry in front of your bro. I'll let you go. But I said, we're going to watch what God does in your life. I talked to him again just the other day, and he's given me this testimony many times since. He goes, that was the day where everything changed. I'm in a new career. I'm living on purpose. I'm involved in ministry. I'm making a difference where I'm at. I used to wonder and want to be an investor in the ministry of God. I realized that the tithe I make from my job that I have right now is more than I could have given in the last 10 years look what God has done the spirit of God came and awakened something that had been dead and that's what I'm here to do to you today so maybe awaken those spaces that you've just given up on to call forth those dreams that have seemed to die I'm really calling you to come alive to really come into who it is that God has formed you to be, to come alive and allow the breath of the Spirit of God to enter inside of you and for you to rise up and take your place, yes, in this church, but also in your marriage and also as a neighbor and also as a coworker and also as a dreamer because God said that his promises would not just be for those first generations, but it said for all those who are afar off, that promise is for you too, for you to be full of God's spirit and breath and love. So the Lord tells Ezekiel, says, it looks, it looks good, but it's not right yet. So I want you to do something. Prophesy to the breath. Come breath and answer. Now that word in Hebrew, it's, it's an important word because the word is ruach, which sounds a lot like the way that breath comes. And what he's asking them to do is not just breathe, but to breathe the ruach, the spirit. That's where the word spirit comes from in Hebrew is breath. Call forth the spirit and breathe in of the life of God. And right now, we don't need an oxygen mask or a nebulizer or an abuterol little pump. What we need is to breathe deeply of God's breath. And that's what the Lord is speaking to Ezekiel about. Call it forth. And Ezekiel says, spirit or breath come from the four winds and come and fill these slain. And all of a sudden, like on the day of Pentecost, it's like a sound of a mighty rushing wind starts moving and the breath of God enters into all those that have were at one point were dry bones but are now alive in the spirit of God and they're standing before Ezekiel as a mighty army. And the Lord brings this back to him. He says, hey, look, these people say that we're slain and there is no hope and that our life and hope is dried up and gone. 
But tell them now that I'm going to bring them back to life. Go and do it. And Ezekiel, I can imagine as he's reading that oracle in public and as everyone is listening in on what the prophet is going to say, he's calling back. And there's some that are wondering, could it be? Could God really bring beauty from these ashes? Could he really reverse 70 years of torment? Can he give life here? And something inside of them says yes. And you know what? It starts to happen. Babylon is invaded by the Persians, and then King Cyrus has this guy that works inside of his, 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 his palace named Nehemiah, who, who gets it in his spirit that he needs to ask the king. And so the king ends up, this is what ends up happening. He says, all right, yeah, you can go back. All exiles that were here and were taken away from their homeland, I want you to go back to Israel, every last one of you. And you know what? We stole from you. The Babylonians stole from you. I'm going to give you money from this treasury to go and build it back. Not only did they receive it, but the reparations and the resources to build it back. And they rebuilt a place that, from all intents and purposes, was impossible to rebuild. God did it then. And he's trying to do it now in the midst of the broken world in which we live. Where the threat of our union as a nation is really in doubt because of the polarizing of extremes. Where people are not speaking to each other and we've lost neighborliness. The Lord is calling us and asking us the same question. Can these dry bones live? Can God fill a city so powerfully that people are so in awe of what God's doing that nothing else can compare? Can God again bring life to those areas that feel so overrun and hopeless? So that new life can come. Can the church rise up and be the people that he is calling it to be? Where it's people no longer hide behind their dryness or their emptiness saying, at a better time I will. Because they will know that in seeking first the kingdom of God and prioritizing God that everything else in life comes back into order. So there's no more room for hiding your destiny is too important to take a back seat. And in the context of the church, we think about this and we understand that babies need to be loved. That the lost need to be saved. That prayer warriors need to pray. That musicians need to play. That preachers have to have something to say. Where singers sing and intercessors that'll cling on the altar and cry out for you and me. Where greeters will love and connectors will plug people into the life of the church where builders build and evangelists fill every empty space. It happens when we recognize that it's all part of something bigger, more cosmic, more wonderful than any of us could ever imagine and that is the spirit of God enlivening the church and animating it so that it can be his representation to a world that's desperate to see that there still is hope and that God desires to turn it around and that God is in fact trying to make all things new and so he's asking you today, can these dry bones live? The dry bones in your house, the dry bones in your mind that always put yourself an emotional checkmate. The dry bones that we pass every single day the clerk behind the cashier line, his, his cheeks still stained with tears. Can those dry bones live? The Lord is calling us to be people that can prophesy and speak God's word to it. You don't have to be a prophet, like I said. Just what does God's word have to say about your despair, about your emptiness, about the broken places? Can these dry bones live? Yes. It's time that they come alive. Prophesy to those bones. Come on, breath. Come, spirit. Breathe back in so that it can become who it's always been meant to be. I invite the worship team to come back up and join me on this platform. I'm very passionate about what the Lord has given me to share this morning. Because I really believe with all of myself, that the reason that the God has given me this missional statement and this word is because this is a year of radical change for us as a community. What God's calling us to, we're gonna need you for, and you're gonna need me for. What God's calling your family to, 
you're going to need this church for. What God's calling your yeah, you to, to, to establish through, through a dream or, or a passion that you've had that's been dormant, you're going to need others for, and it's time for us to rise up and take it. So there's going to be two appeals for you. They're going to come in just a minute. It's this. First, if you're dry in your spirit and you need the Lord to breathe his breath of life inside of you today, you're going to find your moment to do that. The second appeal is going to be like this in just a minute. That every single one of us find our place within this community. The body is not going to ever be the body unless all of it comes together and does what it's called to do. Each part doing its part, not doing what it is that you're not called to do, but doing and living into your purpose. And there's going to be an opportunity to respond that way. At the ends and middles of each seat, there's sign-up sheets that in a minute you can bring down to the altar. There's going to be a, a slide up here on the screen that's going to tell you the different areas that you can volunteer. And if you don't see an area that, you, that interests you, then write it in. Because we want to invest you back into your purpose, not just put you into places that we think you would fit. But I believe that now is an important time for you. The Lord has brought me here to read this oracle from Ezekiel to you, telling your dry bones to awake. Come alive in his power and his grace and his mercy. First time I learned this, I'd only been a Christian for a month and a half. I was not a God follower. I lived for the world and I lived big in the world. But God got a hold of me when I was a high schooler and wrecked my life. And he put on this been saved for a month and a half person's heart to go and to bring the gospel and to bring hope and transformation in my high school in Florida, Tampa area where I'm from. And I was naive enough to believe that God could use me. I believed it. So I called my friends and I said, hey man, I want to do something big. I believe that God wants to reach this school and so I want to start a campus ministry and I believe this campus ministry is going to be uh, integral and seeing transformation and that God is going to save this whole school. And it sounded so big. But I had people, because they'd seen me so radical in the world, just say, man, I'm curious about this. I'll come along for this ride. I remember my first sermon. I've been saved six weeks and I preached Jesus, and 67 of my friends came forward to receive Christ on my very first sermon. And I'm sure it was terrible. All I'm telling you is I believe that God could work through me. That's all I knew, is that God could use someone like me, and if God could speak through a donkey, then sure enough, God can speak in my life. So then these 67, I said, man, I believe that we can do it. We go bigger. I said, this is small. God said he's going to save this school. And he's going to put his light here on this campus. Let's come together and do stuff. So we started these home fellowship groups that began to grow. And they were pushing out on the side. Now this group's over 100 people. And I said, it's not big enough. I said, we need to all pray. So I grabbed everyone that would show up. And I said, we're going to go pray for this school. And we're going to call forth its potential for the kingdom of God. So I'm leading this prayer group. And we're just walking around the school. And after our time, it was dark. And we just began to pray and intercede for our classmates. The very next campus ministry we had had over 550 students all professing Jesus Christ as Lord. Not because I was a good preacher, because I was not. And not because I had everything together or every answer, because I certainly did not. But I was naive enough. I was smart enough to believe that someone, God could use someone like me. And do you know that God desires to do the same thing in you? It became so impactful that the news media started carrying the story of what God was doing in our school. All over the state, other churches were watching. And I got to stand in front of thousands of people and testify about it as if I was an expert. And the only thing I came with them with is it says, look, I profess to know nothing except Jesus Christ, him crucified, and a demonstration of his power. If you want to see God work, come on up here. Where do you have needs? And I remember speaking in those huge arenas with all of these thousands of people and laying hands on people. And I'd been saved for just months. Because I can believe that God could use me. Why do you keep disqualifying yourself? Why? Why have you let your dreams die? Dry bones, it's time to awake. It's time to realize your destiny and purpose in Christ. It's time to reclaim your marriage. 
time to lay down that addiction. Lay down those fears. And let the Lord just begin to work through you. Some of you have been dead for so long, you don't even know what it's like to be alive anymore. You used to know what it felt like to be someone that was on fire for Christ. And it's just gone dead. I call to you now. It's time. Let the Spirit of God fill you again. Some of you have been making every excuse in the book why you can't plug in somewhere in the church. Don't tell me you don't have a half hour to sit at the front door and tell somebody hello and make them feel loved. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that you can't help someone get groceries back there for 15 minutes after a service. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that you can't hand out an offering bag. Don't say that. Don't say that you can't give up one Sunday a month and love on babies and let them see Jesus Christ in you. Don't tell me that. I don't believe it. We've all got something to give. And God has something for you to give and this church will never realize its destiny till the army rises up and the spirit of God fills us all. And that's what God wants to do in this moment right here. Middles and ends in each row and inside your bulletin there's one of those papers. I want everyone to ask the Lord God, what do you want me to do? Fill it out, put it in. If you don't want to do that, text it to this number right here. I want, to, I want to get involved here. We're going to have a volunteer Sunday. And I encourage you, everyone to be here. We're going to feed you lunch. If every one of you show up, we'll buy you lunch. And it's going to be awesome because I want to show you a vision for the way that we see this place. And we're going to walk you through this entire building. We're going to show you through our eyes what we see. It's going to be incredible. But everybody, let's 100% participate there. But I also want to call you to what it is that the Lord has for you as individuals. Because the Lord doesn't want us to have a powerful church that doesn't have people that have transformed and powerful homes. And God wants to do in you this thing too. Not just for the church, but for the people that are the church in your life. Dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. You need prayer because you've been dead in your spirit. The Lord is in this place. You've given up on life and you need to know that God is still at work. The Lord is in this place. This altar is open, and if you just need a move of your spirit of the spirit in your life, I encourage you now, get out of your seat and come. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you about getting plugged in and involved. I want you to come. Don't miss this moment. The Spirit of God is here, church. If you need an awakening in your heart, we're going to pray for everyone. I need my prayer workers to come on. Come on down. We're going to, we're going to pray, and we're going to intercede. This is our moment, church. Don't miss it. Don't miss this moment. The Spirit of God is in this place. We're going to sing and worship the Lord. And as we do, I know that there's so many in here that just need a refreshing in your spirit. Don't miss this moment. You say, well, God can meet me right here. Yep. God can do whatever he wants. But I don't know what it is, but something about an altar. Something about coming and Laying it down before the Lord. There's something about those steps, those moments of consecration. The most impactful moments of my life, I want to tell you the truth, didn't happen in a seed. They happened at an altar. And the Lord is calling you to that kind of experience today. He wants you to awake you dry bones and come to life. Worship team, lead us. And as they do, I just encourage you, come on down. We're going to pray for a little while. Join Pastor Shane of Covenant Life Church next time for another powerful and inspirational message. To find out more about Covenant Life Church, log on to www.covenant-life.com or call 919-462-1932. Remember, living life without direction is meaningless. Living a purpose life with direction from Jesus Christ is your life fulfilled.